Hey, and thanks for listening to episode 12 of the USM podcast. And on this episode, we have two guests, Pat McGuire and Shane Hunt. We talk about upcoming meets, but more exclusively, the American Pro, who to watch out for, and who do we expect to win. We talk about the Kabuki Bar and why it's getting so much traction and why it's being talked about so much. We get into topics of recovery and recovery devices, warm-ups and peaking, IPF versus USAPL and the split, Shane moving to Texas, lifting footwear, supplements, nasal breathing, anime, and my favorite topic of this episode, things that we prioritize our time on for performance. Always good to talk to Pat, and it was really great. Thank you, Shane, for coming on. Enjoy the episode. Is the little guy on here? Oh, dude, he was <laughs> all, all at two seventy nine earlier, dude. Two seventy nine. Moving up to that. Three. I stopped listening when you started with two. <laughs> just don't get him talking about deadlifts. I, I, just got I, gotta, to I would be quiet under that segment. I'll be extremely quiet. I'm like ninety five percent positive the way it went at the last meet too was like I opened like a, just a smidge heavier than he did. <laughs> My second was like a smidge heavier than his. And then the weight that I just couldn't even break from the floor, he just rips it up. And I was like, oh, okay. You have have asserted yourself, sir. That's that's why I play the, these these mind games in uh, on, on the Instagram. Can't let the other people know what you're about to do. Dude, that you just ripped up a big old pole, though, man. What? Yeah, I, I didn't post it. I posted 135. Yeah, I'll send it to you. I'm not. I'm not competing against you this time, so you can see it. Yeah, that's that's rules of rules of war. Rules of engagement. Well, it's gonna be extra crazy because we got a we got a big meat virgin who's gonna basically try and assume that he's the dominant force going into the American Pro at Andrew House. Dude, those are been crazy numbers he's been hitting though. Crazy. Yeah, but is he gonna be recovered enough for the meat? Like. He's hit like Craig was at the meet. He hit the he hit the 24, 24, yeah, the 24, and all his numbers were clean. Besides, if it wasn't for the squat, he probably would have probably took the record easily. Yeah. So it's it's just gonna be so I think I mean it's the same thing like with, with you with like the the W like going from RPS meets to like a WRPF big big meet. It's like those little technical things, like you didn't know you had to wear like shoes or like you had to like certain like calls as far as like with the the sliding on the bench like it's like it's you it's know different. yeah it's, it's, a, it's different. a different vibe that you've, a lot brighter. you've adapted to this dip this this go around like you've cleaned everything up you're lifting with kilo plates like you're sitting there and holding yourself to a higher standard to sit there and make sure everything's clean you're no, you know what to expect and like people that haven't been in that situation don't so like that that is going to be kind of like the and i did say i have you beat it if the out total not wilts but i say you out total level. Oh yeah, that's really all that matters. But it's it's a dots meet, and we're, we're talking about who's going to have the biggest total. Me, Shane Holler, uh, Phil Herndon. But we all know who's taking the the first place prize, and it's going to be Chad Penson with like a twenty one hundred total. Yeah, he's going to hit something pretty big, and then John wins it on the other side with the dot. Well, actually, no, dude, Blakely Hughes he's competing too. He's got like a that's going to be a good meet between those like a six eighteen. I mean, whatever his is. It's like it's gonna be close to 
I mean, mid mid two two thousands. You just hit two thousand in uh in wraps or sleeves. So, damn. Yeah, I think he, uh, it's it's one of those things where the dot he he's one of the people that gets dots points. Like it's like his his Wilkes goes up because of the dots. Where like mine goes down eight. You and Craig go down by like 12, 15. The oh, higher, and attention the higher you are in either one of the spectrums, like this favors you. The lower you're like in the middle, 198, 220 is a sweet spot. Yeah, all coefficients are on a spectrum, if you get what I mean. See, now we can tell that one's Shane's. Damn. I was a good fucking pull. Smooth fucking pull. Yeah, but I don't like the ramping. Is that, that's not a um, kabuki bar. Is that just a regular? Uh, that's a kabuki. How do you? How is it a big difference? I don't think I pull enough to know a difference. I I, I feel like it affects sumo pullers more than it affects conventional pullers. I just got a message from somebody today asking if our gym had a kabuki bar, and I was like, we don't. And I told them we have a gym that does, but it's like nobody has this bar, boys. What's going on, man? We don't we don't have a kabuki bar, but like a lot of gyms, I don't feel like have kabuki bars. But like now, every meet is gonna be held to the standard of they're gonna have that. So nobody has the thing to use for it. <laughs> you can't even get one, can you? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't pulled on one. Craig has it. Shane's pulled on it. You were? I've never used it. You never, never used it either. No, I watched Jamal pull on it in Vegas, but I was I didn't want to use it. I was fucked up. I was like, oh ah. shit! That so is the only one that has used it. Then Dude, everyone's like. I haven't seen like very many like people super stoked about it. Like I've heard people bitch about it. Yeah. And it's like super sharp. We don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw Dan Grigsby say that he didn't like the whip at the top. It made him off. Off. Um, yeah. That's when he um, pulled the 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 super grand on though, right? Was it uh, used though? Yeah. That was his first time using it. He said. Oh really? Oh, shit. Are you serious? That's crazy. Yeah. Well, he's got you got Dan Grigsby saying that he doesn't like it, and then you've got um. Uh, death grip Derek getting injured on it. So I, I feel like it affects sumo pullers more than it affects conventional pullers. Cause I didn't really feel a difference, but also I, I don't pull a thousand pounds. I think I what even... I've heard is more so like, if you don't set it properly and you don't get every little bit of slack out of that thing before you start, like it's going to, it's going to pull you out of position. Cause there's going to be more to pull out of it. Once you start actually going, if you're not absolutely locked into where you need to be, you know Shit, I mean? are we supposed to have good form? <laughs> I mean, like hyper focus, good form, bro. What do you What do you guys think about putting the collar on there and then loading the plates? Like, uh, so it pushes collar. it out even further. Yeah, to mimic the fat ass collar. Do you think that, that would be? Uh, the it looks. Just, stupid, but. Is this Is this going to be an a APF me or a RPS me? Is this a new division? <laughs> Dude, that's just deadlift. How far can you space out the weights before they fall off? And that's, I feel like, that you hear that argument, like, like deadlift numbers are jumping up a huge ton now and stuff, and it's like people, uh, I don't know, saying, I don't think people necessarily are getting stronger. Training's getting more, like, optimized, but the equipment's getting better. Like, I feel like squats jumped up huge when everyone started using a 55-pound bar. Or, like, a six, I mean, obviously multiply squats with, like, the 65-pound bar. Like, it's just... It's better equipment that, like, eventually, like, we're all probably going to have to, I mean. It, I've just noticed the TikTok warriors and Instagram warriors that, like, 
use straps and grip on the smooth of the, the neural, uh, like inside the neural. Where you get it like right here, yeah, like yeah, on your fingertips. It's there on hook, bro. Yeah, it's like every kid in the world pulls 700 now. I look at it like, yeah, with straps, with like, you know, the plates pushed out and sub 200 points. Yeah. Who's the kid that everyone's been like, it's it's the little little guy like 148 or whatever. Yeah, he's on like kings uh, of lifts all the time. Yeah, fucking damn bell French whatever, dude. It's a very specific build than a lot of those guys. It's like long arms, Slendermans. You know what I mean? Like they're toned, but like you think they do like swimming or well, Nabil Nabil's not even that short. Like he's 148, but I took a picture with him at the showdown last year, and he's like 5'10". Like he's only really. Two yeah, he's like 148, but like so he's just super fucking. He's little not bit. even like he's not even a manlet, you know? It's crazy. That is yeah. fucking wild. The real question: what, what would his total be, though? I don't know what the other two lips look like. He did the five, he did the national squat, 300 pound bench. So like average. Typical sumo puller like that. 1500. Oh, <laughs> well, not Shane. You're good, bro. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I'm getting a little bigger. I'm finally okay at bench, you know. The bench is coming along. I've been seeing that. Been close gripping a lot more than I do. Yeah, I saw that 440 for three close grips. Uh, was uh, Larson press? Yeah, Maybe. that was huge for me. You because you were telling me it's like you're just doing a ton more frequency now because like when everything else was limited, like you're just gonna sit there and just like ramp everything else up. So like you were benching like three days a week, weren't you? Or was it more uh, than every that? other day? So it was like every three, other day, Yeesh. literally every other day. Yeah, I got 15 bench sessions in a month, pretty much. Like. That's disgusting. Is that because for two months, you were but... taking time off with the back injury, or is that more just because like you can't, you're pushing bench that much more? Are you like, are yeah, stressed more? I already can't do it. Like I squatted twice, squatted 600 pounds, like twice in the last week, and it's already like just low bars already tearing my biceps up, like with the bench, like low bar and bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't sustain that bench frequency. I'm yeah, probably gonna you got a good little jump start going into the prep because Jordan Wong's doing that me too. And he said you guys are like 12 weeks out today, right? 12 weeks tomorrow, yeah. 12 weeks tomorrow. So you're 12, Pat's four, and then me and Craig are like 15. Yeah, so we're you're all competing kinda... October 15th. Yeah. Up in Joe, uh, Joe Sullivan's doing that meet also. He's doing he's doing my meet and that meet. He's doing both, I believe. Which is great. That if you can pull off a turnaround like that, like that's fucking nuts. Like it's Jordan was talking about yeah. He was. You want to talk about some crazy fucking turnaround. Just Dan Bell's competed like every single month this year. He's got another one in seven <laughs> in seven weeks. Like what the fuck? Like I, I'm all like, oh, you you can only compete twice a year, like once every six months. And like, how the fuck is he doing it every every year? Like every month. Like over trial and error, he's curtailed a sit there like a, a recipe, a formula where he can sit there and just go. I mean, it's like he's been doing this for like two years almost now, where it's like a meet every like three months. Like he took like a six month break, but like it's either way, like it's like he's still probably got like as many meets as I've ever done in like the last two years since COVID, like 2020. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's crazy. It's nuts. Also, just knowing that Dan has such a manual labor job, so like how he recovers like all day, every day, you know, working as basically like a diesel road mechanic, and like so any day when he has a heavy session, he could have just been doing you know twenty thousand pounds of other tonnage work, just working his job that day in the sun or whatever, you know. And now, do you think that like that kind of manual labor, like you and I were just doing like some sled drag shit before? We, we did like ten up. passes of like. A I'm just saying, but like. 
that's that type of that type of light physical work as like a gpp thing but it also like it's almost like active recovery it does i think you think like I you think, were talking about i didn't mean to cut you off but you were saying like when your back was all jacked up you posted that the other day you're like just just been walking outside with nature man not trying to you know what i mean like this yeah all these walks all these jogging. walks like walking up hills That's i've been, I jog, I've been like week. jogging and walking like i'll jog and then like and, and when i can't nasal breathe i just walk and like no stress i don't try to like make myself run really fast but just like sustain an hour of fucking movement, I feel way better, you know? I could have all kinds yeah. of aches and pains, but I feel that's way like, better. I think that's the biggest thing with a lot of that is like, you know, the rate of recovery is dependent on red blood cell perfusion, right? So like the, the more you can increase that over time, like that's one of the things I noticed, like, um, like for instance, like Casey at Elite, right? Formula industry, like she has her little treadmill and she programs that. I've been watching, like, damn, I kind of want to get one of those. Because like if you just accumulate, you know, 10,000 other steps worth of blood flow and heartbeat a day. If that's not enough to push your stress threshold up, like that is active recovery. Um, I think there's a, there's like a balance point to that. But with Dan, I think his, uh, I just told you to him, like him playing hockey as a kid and being heavy set, being a 300 pound kid on hockey skates, like that explains his ankles being impenetrable. It explains uh, his calves being this and way. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that just, I think, is like just like his, like his development as a kid and then moving into lifting weights and having been in the game for what, 15 years? He's been basically lifting weights consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I mean, I don't know how he maintains peaks to squat a thousand pounds six seven times a year it's got to just be general walk around strength for the most part man yeah, he's just once every two weeks so i mean it's not with the you're that yeah recovered. i mean yeah he, he, he does prioritize doing like bodybuilding and light sessions like in between so he's fresh so he takes more of a like hey i know how to squat i know what it's like to be under a heavy squat i don't need to practice that what i need to do is keep my muscle tissue up and he does like the only bodybuilding work and then his is like the anti-conjugate conjugate, where his conjugate is max effort, one rep, max squat, some back offsets, and then his other workouts in between are just like light recovery minis and stuff. But it's exactly what he needs it's to exactly, sit there. It's what he can sustain because he doesn't get bored of it that way. Oh, like that's yeah. the thing he's talked about. I have my arm dead at the beginning of my week, he says. He's like, if I don't do that, I'm, I'm – fucking burnt out on training i don't want to go if i can go have my arm day and catch a pump i'll go do the rest of my sessions it's sustainable for him so like that's ultimately it it's like is it sustainable you know mentally and physically you know pat you just you we were talking you had switched up some of your training going into this prep where like yeah it was everything you you almost go off on like a 10-day like training day cycle now right yeah so what what normal uh, plebeians of the world do is they, they train and they say their weeks are seven days, Monday through Sunday. And um, since I'm barely human anymore, my coach decided that since I'm putting up like the, the 2,300 total, like the, the mass that I'm moving is not going to be like, like my warmups are going to be higher volume than most of his other clients will get in an entire week. So instead of um, having a seven day week training Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm training every third day. So like Monday, Thursday, Sunday, and then I go into like Wednesday and that stuff. So I get two days of recovery in between each uh, training session. And I know Dan does something similar where he's got, he squats uh, one week, deadlifts the other week and has a bench day and a close grip bench day. And that's, that's a two week cycle. So he trains four days every two weeks and I'm doing, uh, about five days every two weeks um, just with that, with, with that new split. And it, it I, I feel like the recovery is good because I didn't have to deload every um, third 
Uh, I was gonna say you push your deloads back because you're recovering more in between more sessions. Like you don't yeah. need a big deload in general. Like that was the thing you posted a video where you were like, you're like, oh, it's I'm doing this, but like I also haven't had a deload in like five six weeks. So like a lot yeah. of tonnage and wear and tear. Well, it, it was it was it was actually longer than five or six weeks because it was um five uh microcycles. So um five times nine forty five days since my previous um deload so <laughs> yeah Man, i thought our five weeks shitty. Well, also my deloads are different like, than yours where, where my deloads it's just five by three the main movement and then i get the fuck out of there yeah that's pretty straightforward deload though but i think it's interesting because they've done you know studies on like people in recovery and then correlating like grip strength to like your central nervous system's readiness to train as well as like your total overall strength and one of the things like me and Zach back in the day played with was the idea that like, you know, your body doesn't give a shit about the seven day work week like society does. Your body yeah. works on like twenty four hour rhythms usually. Yeah. So like you might rhythm. not be recovered in two days over a weekend and be ready to squat Monday. So you should kind of just space your training days based on stress and recovery. And like one of the things we had talked about was like, can you measure that recovery? Like, are you recovered enough by grip strength? Like getting a like a uh, oh. the grip measuring things and then like. If you can like cold in the morning, squeeze and make a peak value when you're really recovered. Like if any other day it's lower than that, then like you're not ready and do it. I don't think anyone's ever tested it like that, but kind of juxtaposing those two ideas together. I wonder if, if since you're doing it, if you got one of those and tracked it, whether it would correlate or not, that like you'd see like, hey, your grip peaks on the days when you're ready to train again, or it has a dip right afterwards. And if you could almost like kind of how we now use like the, um, well, squats by science like the tendometer they made velocity, right? tracker. velocity trackers and stuff like that yeah. you can kind of regulate training that way you know and like tell how recovered you are based on if your velocity at a certain weight sucks uh versus you can say hey i want to train at a certain velocity regardless of how it feels you know it's kind of just another measuring stick you could probably look at I'd yeah I, I feel like studies like that are the reason why numbers are going up because we got more things tracked so we're able to understand it better and, and being able yeah. to understand recovery smarter like smarter training, man. smarter training. That's why we're getting stronger. It's smarter yeah, training. Just lift big rock, make sad voice and head go away. That's why like a lot of people like doing it too, though. It's solid. Yeah. Solid <laughs> yeah. That's what I do. It just it gets rid of my anxiety. What do you guys think about the loop strap thing? Cause that's kind of that's similar. It's like, uh, it measures your heart rate variability and then it gives you like a readiness score based off that, like similar to the grip strength tests. Where it in, like it indicates if you should be recovered or not. I, th oh, I think um, Chris Bridgeford uses one. Um, really, like, it tracks your sleep and shit, and then it oh. gives you like a readiness score every day, like if you should train or if you should take a rest day. Interesting. So it doesn't just measure like intercession, like if you're recovered, if your resting heart rate has been low enough, long enough, or whatever. But like day to day, oh. can tell you. For some reason, like I guess the the higher your heart rate variability, the more recovered you are. Or something like that. I don't know if it's as simple as that, but somehow it uses the heart rate variability to to determine if you're recovered or not. I don't know why. I don't I don't know the details of it. Uh, I wonder if it's like your body's just better equipped to handle like if it goes through those peaks and if it is variability, like the increase in variability is a predictor. I wonder if it's like something like that's predictive of your body able to embrace extremes for homeostasis or whatever. Just tolerate stress and stuff. Yeah. yeah, like how like if you're able to peak in valley quickly and come back to baseline you know, that fast, then you're like pretty well recovered versus if it takes a long time, then that means you're more depleted because, you know, those energy systems or whatever need more time to turn over. 
And that just goes. I have to research that. I have to read on that. That's a good point, man. That's like kind of, and like you guys can say all that, and like I mean, probably like half of those words like go over my head, but just like being like the me head version of me is like better result. Me use, me get, me can figure out, and it's like I think that's we're just talking about. Like it's like it's it's the more data you can get, the more variables you can cover, the more extremely specific you can get your training, your recovery, whatever you sit there and you need to really like just optimize what you're doing. You know what I mean? And I think, I think it goes back to what you were saying though. Like you can have all of that, but if you're failing to implement like eating enough food or getting enough sleep, like that means shit all like, like, yeah. like what was it? Mark Bell quote. Like if you're taking creatine, but you don't sleep eight hours a night, you're an asshole. Like, cause like you might as well sleep eight instead of taking creatine to get better results that way. So it's kind of like one of those things in my mind, like it helps but like it's gonna help fringe percentage people like well you guys not me like i'm not that good uh but like that are at the top of the game that are doing the like eat two pounds of beef and like six pounds of rice every day you know like i just saw shane's q a like uh little shane hunt sorry q a like what do you mean he's like i eat like a pound and a half of ground beef it's like seven bucks a pound like 15 bucks a day like i eat a bite yeah, people, like, it's so expensive i'm like not yet it might get fucking expensive but yeah it but really? it's like how many people do you know are like you know monks or that spartan-esque that they're just eating beef and rice and a multivitamin and water every day to make sure they're that exact and like i'll say that beef. that bone broth in there though dude that makes it a complete like i've oh, choked down changer. ground beef and rice for years and it's horrible horrible <laughs> when you just add a serving which is like 240 of like the bone broth, whatever, it turns it into like a soup and it just, it, you don't have to chew. That's the worst yeah, part. Just chew it because it tastes it. like you can just swallow it like right away, dude. It's like pour it. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah I, just, I just like drink water too on top of it. Just make, take like two chews and then just yeah. swallow, swallow the food. Fuck just it. slam everything see, down. How many people are doing that where the, the, like we're talking about before the heart rate variability or the grip strength measurement? How many have their other life factors in control that much? Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure like, like Shane, I know your schedule from your Instagram is go train, go walk around, get 30 minutes of sunshine by the pool or something like that. Eat food, <laughs> go lay down, hang out for the rest of the day. Like, I know your routine by your Instagram posts of like, you're at the pool, you're in the sun, you're relaxing most of the day and recovering, you train hard and then you go home and you eat food. Like, yep. and, so it's like, <laughs> but how many other people are trying to be elite powerlifters that like, that's like a micro like section of their day. Like I train and I go pound this, all this beef and rice. And then I go home to my screaming kids and I'm stressed out. And then I yell at my wife and then I go pound a beer in the garage and smoke a cigar. And Like they're not going to get anything out of that other bullshit. They should just, you know, it'd be better off just, you know, living alone. You'd be better off just hating your life less. And, Tell you know, me about it. Yeah, that's my dream. Like, anyways, that's my... <laughs> that's my cynic take on it right now but i think i mean i don't know that's kind of what it, eventually if it if it matters enough to sit there and prioritize it that way like my job like i work from home like basically the same kind of thing i can curtail my day to make sure i get all my recovery all my food all my like general just rest before the gym like i'm not like coming off yeah. of an eight hour physical demanding like labor job or anything like that like i just go right in and like you know like you just i don't know i just feel like at a certain point like if you're not figuring certain other shit out or you're not genetically blessed, you gotta like, you gotta shift everything else around to kind of get to that spot. You know what I mean? 
Craig goes to bed at 2 a.m. last night, <laughs> doesn't even fucking sleep these eight hours, comes in and spanks out a fat-ass squat this morning. Like, yeah, I I do all the – I mean, I didn't do all the right shit last night either. I probably got eight hours, but I come in and I fucking tweak my back. And I'm like, you know what I mean? It's just like – Some people are different. Yeah, dude. Different <laughs> stimulus, different folks. When you say that, all I think of is, like, the USAPL chat meme guy. Like, I'm built different. It's just like <laughs> – <laughs> like, no, you're not. No, you're not, Trevor. Greg, why'd you squat? Like, squat at like 705 with a shit ton of chains? Yeah. Yeah. Was 120. Yeah, 120 and chains. Yeah. did a triple at 705. So. Yeah, 805 or 825. Yeah, but this far out, just and then he just goes and does like a hundred more pounds of the fuck. Like he never has to touch it. He just like gets yeah. just enough. But I mean, that's like that's. I feel that compensation. Twelve weeks, so it's. Yeah. I pretty much, and I'm confident most of the weight that I touch, I've touched it already in the previous weeks. So I don't jump, make bigger jumps. I probably go ten or fifteen pounds the next meet, so it's not a big difference to me. Yeah, you never touch more than two percent <laughs> in the program. Yeah. Now I think about it, we never program more than a double layer. That's even still. Nice. You touch it one time. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Josh's program for for, uh, for you, Shane, is like. I mean, I guess it's kind of similar, but I feel like I always feel like those guys are like anyone that's coached under him. Like they're lifting heavier, more, but maybe um, maybe that's just what I see like on Instagram. As far as like it's like they're 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 heavier singles, like as far as closer to what you're gonna hit at the meet kind of deal versus like big big jumps in between. Yeah, I think. Um... For the most part, Matt, right now he's not programming for me, but for the most part, I think all of his athletes, like anytime I've seen, they usually do hit their numbers like in the gym. Like I know Derek yeah. pulled 900 before he did it in a meet. Um, but yeah, I think he, he did 796 before he tried 80. That was like, that definitely wasn't on program. We talked about that in that group chat. Like there was no yeah. way that was on program, but like, what did, he, what did he do? Remember, it was like he did 796. In the gym, like two weeks before he does it at the meet, and I'm just like, why wouldn't you? One, just either add the four pounds or not. Like four pounds isn't making any difference, but like it's like you wasted it, and then it wasn't there like when you needed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think like especially if you're squatting like a thousand plus pounds, like it's like how many how many of those can you do a year? You know, it's like why do it in the gym? You know, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The only time I've ever tried a thousand in the gym, I tore my quad. Yeah. Listen to Pat. Don't try that in the gym. Yeah. Uh, my program, uh, we, we've our peaking program. We do um, 90% week, 100% week, 90% week, 80% week, 50% week. And then we don't go in the gym, the meet week. But um, my coach, because of the, the totals that I'm putting up, he's like, well, you're different because we've got soccer moms in here doing the same thing. So instead of doing hundred percent on the hundred percent week, just, take your openers and the super compensation should be enough to be able to get you to where you need to be on meet day. So you're not going to be risking injury in the gym so that you can put up maximal performance once you're on the platform. Yeah. At that point, if you've done everything that you need to do as far as like just building up volume wise and everything, like just touching it and making it move really fast, just gives you like a gauge, you know what I mean? It's just enough to do that last. You had an analogy where it's like, 
You do like a bunch of little jumps getting ready, and then you just get ready for one big ass jump. Like you're building up enough momentum to kind of get to that point. Yeah. It makes sense when you guys have like that four week at like that 90, said what 90, 80, 70, 50. Is that how you did it? Uh, 90, 80, 50, zero. Yeah, 90, 80, 50. So four weeks. Yeah. So you hit your heaviest four weeks out. Like we usually do that with deads. And then we will have like our squat and bench like three weeks out. Yeah, it just turns down to nothing. The second week yeah. out is like light week. Like usually you hit a max like 80 something percent just for like singles to practice. And then the week of is like 50%. we go in and do like five singles at 50% with commands just so it's like and that's our whole week. That's our basically our peaking process most of the time. Accessories and warm ups are a little different, but you know. Yeah, I noticed you guys did a lot of um, almost like active warm up, like on the turf to uh, at the Ghost Clash. You guys did a lot of like almost like jogging, high knee stuff to to loosen up. And all of my stretching is is all static and stuff. So you guys get the blood flowing a little bit more efficiently. And I, I've I've thrown in a little bit of that into my training. Um, like last night, I had to squat nine seventy, and. Um, I, I did the high knees. I did the uh, opening the gate, close the gate with the hip stuff. And, and that, that definitely made a huge difference getting that blood flow going. Yeah. And, uh, Although I'm not going to lie. Craig doing that at that meet, that was his first time doing it. Cause he never. Hitchworms, <laughs> toe touches, can't be bothered. But like, yeah, I'm a big believer in the dynamic warm-ups. Um, I'm you, more static stretching than that. You know, you're no kind of stretching. You don't do jack shit. I stretch. I, I've checked the video. <laughs> Foam roll, ankle floss. <laughs> but it like, works. Yeah. Like, so Hold like, the gym I'm, cameras. Like static stretch, maybe like your ankles or something like that to get like, you know, your, your calves and your yeah. ass and soleus, you know, opened up. So you got the ankle mobility. But for the most part, like warming up should be like accessing the ranges of motion and then like approximating towards the lift. And but just like have some fun and really get blood moving. Uh, and, and like try to not make it too slow because then I feel like your brain is anticipating moving slow under the bar. You want it to be yeah. like getting ready to play a sport, right? Um, and our yeah. sport just happens to be practicing exercise a lot. Uh, so like don't overcomplicate it and then cool down, do the static stuff. You know, try and keep the muscle lengthened and, and filled with blood and all that. Uh, Jane does. Jane will do an hour of warming up. Because I feel like I'll break if <laughs> I don't. Shane and I right. got here on time today, so we had an hour to warm up. You haven't been here in two years. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about you being here. I come in from my quarterly because I'm kind of dealing with a little bit of a back deal right now. And I don't know if it was the same one that you were having Shane, like, what do you feel like as far as like warm up wise that you kind of do, or like what kind of, I mean, obviously we were just talking earlier, like the walking and stuff, like what kind of like really kind of started fixing that up for yours, like getting you through training now to make sure that that's not like a, a reoccurring thing that's coming up again. Uh, the main things I try to do are get my hips moving. And then I just try to do some kind of like bracing cueing thing, like a rolling plank, side plank, dead bugs, yeah. just like get me thinking about bracing before I get under the bar and then making sure I'm bracing because I would be kind of lazy with it. I would brace like as hard as I needed to for the weights I was using yeah. instead of always bracing as hard as I could, I think. So I think just getting my hips mobile and moving so like I'm going to squat, you know, correctly and then just making sure I've like primed my bracing or whatever with something. And then I'm usually good to go. Just start slowly adding weight to the squat, you know? 
because you started squatting like obviously like a little bit like wider with like i mean low bar and everything now and stuff i feel like yeah. when i sit like that like versus high bar like i'm able i don't know maybe it's something between like how like you, you position your hips and like where the bar sitting on your back but i feel like it almost is kind of like as soon as you pick it like it really just kind of like you, you set like right away kind of a deal you know what i mean like whereas i feel like high bar kind of like I'm not able to brace as good as I am with low bar. So I don't know if that's kind of holding that in for you a little bit. Too. Yeah, just I think it. the high bar, I was like, I was uh, compressing too much. I was like going too much into flexion. Like I, I was too much on top of myself that I couldn't, and I have good mobility, but I just think my, I was going into a slight amount of flexion, even with my like closer stance, low bar. I yeah. think I just wasn't able to keep as much just like a neutral, neutral trunk position. Um, Cause I was just so on top of myself, you know? Yeah. I opened up the grip and the feet, and I just feel like that feels way better. Yeah. When you uh, when you say you're doing like hip stuff to warm up, are you talking like hip flow, or are you doing like cars, or what are you trying? Um, to do? I really I really like the cars a lot. Um, I'll do those like prone or like quadruped and standing. Okay. Um, but I like those a lot, and then just like leg swings, just like front front to back and like the lateral yeah. like, things. Really try to open up on those. But the cars are huge, like really trying to force range of motion, where like it, where it's like uncomfortable. But really trying to like make like make your rotation bigger and bigger. Like I feel like that's like a pretty heavily slept on thing, you know. I agree, but I hate them. They're like the worst thing to ever do. They're annoying as hell for me. But that's probably the thing that helps the most. Like keep my lower back healthy. It's doing those like in every warm up session when I go. But yeah, because the hips can like the hips can move so much, like just like the shoulder. But it's like if you don't do that, if you don't do it regularly you're not going to have that ability but if you do it the yeah. amount of range of motion is is tremendous you know a lot of times i like to think about it as like it's like mapping the neural pathway too that like even if like you you have these huge glutes and adductors and like yeah they can do all these motions but like when you deviate out of this you know very refined motor pattern like a squat or a dead or do something you know like picking up a kid or you know the garbage can and you're not in your normal plane, like that's when people I feel like usually get hurt. It's something stupid like that. Always. Uh, and uh, because it's an uncontrolled movement that we're not thinking about and your brain hasn't like really accessed how to map that movement. Like, cause you've not forced all the nerves and like finer fibers to do it. And that's I think like the benefit of like the cars and doing like odd, almost like strongman and like very, I, I want to say primal, but then I feel like Pat's going to get like his rocks off. Uh, um, but like, you know, weird functional odd, movements, yeah, odd, not even functional, just odd movement patterns, like playing around with like kettlebells, like tossing kettlebells in a circle around you and like side to side and stuff like that. And just doing lunging and jumping and stuff that we don't do as powerlifters a lot, but that actually, I think builds the pathways to allow your body to protect itself when you're outside of just the main three lifts or, you know, close grip and good mornings, you know, those are very controlled, um, but cars, I think, are like the, the entry level into that. If you're not starting with that, you can't really expect your joint to move and be able to control itself. If you can't do it consciously, it's not going to probably do it subconsciously, I guess is what I'm getting at. That was a really roundabout way of getting to that point. I think even just like for the wrist, too, I mean, it's like obviously way like simpler. But like if I get like wrist pain and shit from just benching a lot, I'll just like do some of those. And usually, you know. It just it doesn't just fix it, but it's just like it's something to introduce some range of motion yeah. that isn't painful. Just some kind of movement, some kind of blood flow. <coughs> movement is medicine. Yeah. There's I don't know if you guys follow a whole lot of like strongman with uh like they had the world's strongest man in Sacramento a few uh like a month ago or whatever it was. 
And there was a dude from Canada that nobody's ever heard of. He did like three or four, probably like five competitions prior to this. And he just shows up and he like blows everybody out of the, like the qualifying heat beats, beats, wins his group, beats Brian Shaw, like, and then goes to the finals. He has a pretty solid run, but he's not huge or anything like that. And like, he was like, he was bagging on a lot of the guys that are like really big on like massage or like ice baths or cryotherapy. Like I am. And just saying, he's like, no, it's like, I don't really feel like I don't really need to do that. Like, I'll just go for a walk. I just sit there and I stay active. I'm on my feet all day with at work. So like my, like, as I'm doing that, like my body's metabolism is like jacking up, like everything else is kind of like setting itself how it is. And like, he's, I mean, it's just like, he's big on the functional stuff at the same time. You know what I mean? And it's like, I think we all try and kind of like overthink a little bit or like do more. I mean, even if it's like mentally, you're kind of like checked into where it's working for you or not. Like maybe it's not a hundred percent giving you everything you think it's getting, like whether it be the massage, crowd therapy, nor, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, just kind of went off for fun. I want to see a gymnast that decides they want to do powerlifting. Like somebody was like a high performing gymnast and decides like, nah, I just want to get jacked as hell and become a powerlifter. Because I feel like that's the kind of person that would have like a really long, like powerlifting career because they have such, you know, trained joint articulation and stuff like, like oh, Andy, uh, who used to train here. Yeah. Like that. But like he had been like a coach and he kind of went away from the gymnastics, but like just having that level of joint control and then plasticity and movement, like. I feel like that could be really valuable as like just a starting base because most of us started from like some kind of sport base or like you know just being gym rats or something but it misses that well-roundedness i feel like of the joint capsule like control and development and i feel like that even kind of goes into like what everyone talks about genetics or whatever like just having a pedigree of something prior like as a base yeah. like kind of an athletic base for your body already kind of Speaking of the genetics, yeah. like there's like a study that recently came out about like men that uh, men that like I think it's uh, that exist in like above a certain parallel and like it's like cold genes like when they're exposed to cold therapy regularly, their kids tend to have a lower body fat, fat percentage and, and have more lean muscle tissue. So there's like evidence that like mammals respond to, to heat and cold in their epigenetic makeup and like what they exhibit and pass on. So like if you're in a cold environment regularly like you'll pass on the genes for like higher muscle and metabolism and less like subcutaneous fat because it'll help burn and keep your body warmer and be more active. Like, and it's like, so basically it's like, the North is better than all of Florida. Yeah. Basically we should all be Vikings apparently. Uh, and we should all try to be Pat and live where it's freezing cold. And all. I love where 90. Yeah. Is it 90 there right now? Yeah. It's gross. Yeah, when you were down in Miami though, it was like, you left like, 30 degree weather or something like that and you were like you hated it like you said it was too hot down here too muggy like it was unbearable i just saw a friend of mine say it's 50 degrees in colorado and it still sprinkles snow in the mornings Not like denver i don't miss living in denver that was it was cold for like florida boys yeah dude florida boys for <laughs> for now florida's the strongest state in powerlifting right now it is hey, you're getting ready to move aren't you yeah, I'm going to go add to the Texas. I'm going to swing it back the pendulum towards Texas. There we go. Uh, We're at Texas. Uh, San Antonio. Uh, is that why you're growing the mustache out? Yeah, I got to fit in. Dude, you know, I like it, man. You need to get a cowboy hat and, like, just a good old Stetson, like, five-gallon hat. Get some boots. I don't have any boots, really. <laughs> yeah. You got I'll good boot stores there. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that big crew out in Texas that's, like – it's 
Jesus and all them have a spot, and then yeah. uh, uh, I'm gonna be training with them boys. Huh? I'm gonna be training with them. Are you, dude? That's gonna be solid. Nice. Blake has a gym there that actually has AC, and then Texas String Systems is where like Enrique, Jesus, Mike David, yeah. Ashton, like they all train. Well, Ashton lives in uh, Virginia somewhere, but like his hometown is San Antonio, so when he's yeah. home, he's there. But uh, they don't have AC at, at Texas String System, and it's like you don't wear shirts when you train, dude. You're gonna be set. But dude, we like this summer we got we got AC at, at Capital City Barbell. Oh, did you? In, like 75. I've been like I've been having to go outside and get in the sun to like warm up in between. <laughs> but like it's like it's the first summer we've had like an actual like AC at the gym. It's like cold in there. Yeah. I'm I'm like I'm spoiled, you know. You just get a fucking chill. Oh, dude, going out to te- That's going to be solid, though, having, like, some big-ass training partners like that. Like, yeah, I don't have anyone to train with right now, basically. We were no just one. talking about that before. It's just, like, it's, it's you and then just all the, the USAPL boys up there. And it's all the like, natties, yeah. All yeah. the natties, man. What? You go to Seminole. I mean, I know you go to Seminole strength occasionally, but, like, I know, like, Lou and Christian and Leah and them over there. And, like, but there's not anybody that's, like, deadlifting, like, 900 pounds and squatting 600 for reps and stuff consistently over there. Like he bench with yeah. I don't know if he's training right now, but I don't know if he is either. I know he had some pec issues, but Lou actually just moved to Iowa. He just yeah, moved to they're, oh, they're scouting. I've seen his post. He's scouting gyms right now and stuff. Yeah. Right yeah. Trying to find yeah. Spot. yeah. Dude, so, so what's talking to like all those kids in your gym, like what is their opinion as far as like, the IPF USAPL split as far as like what they think is like the cooler meat or the more, I think, are they kind of torn or is it, they all kind of sit one way with it. I know, I know a few, uh, this kid that goes to my gym, Evan, he just competed today at the Dallas Europa. Uh-huh. I don't know if you see him. He's got the crazy bench arch. He's got like, he's got like uh, that much range of motion on bench. Um, <laughs> but, um, I'd say most of them are probably USAPL. Yeah. But I, like the way they're going to do it there's going to be a lot of local powerlifting america meets like upcoming i think so i think it's people are going to be split it's going to be probably whatever they have access to they're going to go to what the closest meet you know they don't they don't care yeah i mean i don't know i just i mean i never competed in those like i never got like the i mean I, it's obviously like watching like the nationals as long as it's like everything's just loaded like it's loaded weight classes and now i feel like it's almost like with the IPF split, it's like you have like the really, really top end people are just going to go there and like they wouldn't, I mean, they would sweep up regardless, but like now they're just going to, they just want the title, 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 title. And it's like everyone else, even though you got like a couple, uh, there's a few other like strong ass dudes that are like in like the lower weight classes that are the more USAPL side. But like those, I feel like if you're not in that like top, top picture, like you're going to go to the USAPL and you're just going to sweep up all the money now. Cause I mean, there's, I mean, yeah. there's probably been two or three this year already, and it's like, I mean, they're, they're putting up good money at those things, and the production is solid. Nice. Like, it looks better than some of the meets that we've been doing, so. Yeah, I think, the, like, the, the fact that there is money is definitely going to draw people to the USAPL. But then you have all the people who are, like, all they care about is the world title, like Chance Mitchell. All he cares yeah. about money. All he wants is to win world titles. So he's always going to go, like, the whatever route he has to to get to the IPF, you know? Yeah. But it's I funny. There's people in the USAPL like at nationals that would have beat the like some of the IPF. They could have, you know, they could have gone and won. Ashton could have gone and won. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. They, they want to. Yeah, so they just kind of fall. Ah, yeah. It's weird because I mean, they only 
they only came up with this like the powerlifting America thing like six months to a year ago, right? Like it's it's very new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I feel like there's a lot of like we have a few like a, a decent amount of kids at our gym, and I feel like a lot of those kids are going to stay with like USAP. They're they're like just kind of newer people for the majority part, and it's like I feel like they're kind of hanging there because that's like that appeals more to them, like the just going to the national setting and everything else like that, like just based on the qualifying totals or just appealing to that top or top end, it's like not really uh, something they're kind of trying to throw their hat into. I think proximity is still going to be the biggest thing for most people. Like if there's a meet two hours versus three hours away, most people are just going to pick the two hour one. Cause it's a little bit closer, you know? Yeah. Even like Pat lives up in uh, new England and like RPS runs new England. Like there's not a whole lot of USPA. There's not a whole lot of, I don't think APF or anything like that. I mean, my, my kind of correct on that there boys. Yeah, it's it's pretty much just RPS. RPS green hundreds. No whole- shoes though. You can you can go no shoes at all. No yeah. shoes. Barefoot. Yeah, you wear a hat. Before the last meet, I messaged him like two or probably three or four weeks before the meet, and I was like, "Hey, like, because he posted something with wearing no shoes," and I'm like, "You know, you got to wear shoes at the meet, right? The, the ghost flash." And he's like, "Ah," and he like messaged Alex about it. And he's like, "Yeah, to have like some kind of footwear," and he like. He bought that. I told you he bought that like a slipper and just cut like the fluffy part off the bottom and just like wore that. Like it was as little foot coverage as possible. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's the way to go though. Minimal distance. Gotta get in those Vivos, yeah. man. Sean just was wearing some of those. I was like, Do you get that from Shane? He's like, I actually messaged him about it not that long ago. And it was I'm like, like two years ago. I think I was like, Yo, do you like those? Are they worth the 120 bucks? And he was like, Yeah, because Zach had some too. And he's like, it's like, yeah, I haven't blown out of them yet, you know. I was like, all right. You and Crystal were both swearing by those when I, we were hanging out a couple months ago, Dude, too. I, just I'm like, honestly going to buy another pair. And it sounds like very fanboy of me, but, like, I'm going to buy another pair because, like, I now, like, I started wearing them outside of the gym. Yeah. And, like, I hadn't been doing that. I'd been wearing, like, bands and stuff. And I just wore them at the gym thinking, like, all right, I'm a sumo deadlifter. I like, you know, be barefoot. Now that I've been wearing them outside of the gym more and, like, I wear them when I'm just walking around, like, my lower back feels so much better all the time. Than like walking around in vans, except for when I went to Disney World and I had to walk like, you know, twenty miles in one day. I, that that day, I, yeah, that's like that's my my fucking foot was locking up, and I bought a pair of Crocs that day uh, at Disney. But other than that, like normal day to day, like go to the grocery store, go walk around, running errands, like hanging out, like dude, it it actually once your feet get used to it, it's very nice. Uh, that's like the, I mean, that's like the whole deal is like you're supposed to have that arch in your foot. And if you're wearing shoes that don't support which that, you're going to force you to also keep your knees soft. And then, which means your hips are soft, which means you just kind of wiggle all the time, you know? And like, versus like when I would stand around in other shoes, like I'd, I'd lock my knees while I'm standing and just like lean on one leg all the time. And then I realized like I have an imbalance because of it. But now when you're flat, when you're like that and you're flat footed and your feet, like your feet move, so your ankles move, so your knees move, so your hips move. It's like, it makes sense. Look, I don't I have a natural foot. flat foot. Yeah, a natural flat, flat foot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Naturally, you were born flat footed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and with a big ass head. So, what are you rocking? What are you rocking for shoes at the meet in a couple weeks? Uh, I'm. I've got the the same ones, uh, just in my trunk right now. <laughs> You've had six months. And you decided not to get new shoes. <laughs> No, they worked. I mean, I squatted 10-14 in them twice. Squatted and... a grand in it, bro. They're just like Walmart slippers, right? That you cut the bottoms out of. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like Crap. grandpa slippers. Yeah. It, it only had like one layer of rubber on the bottom. 
He cut. He like used Andy scissors to cut them off. Craig, what do you wait? Craig, what what shoes do you squat in? Uh, heel shoes that don't fit, that he doesn't tie tight, and that the heel hangs off of. They're not even real shoes. Dude. I can stick my entire hand. No, I got them tight. So, like, if this is his shoe, I can stick my entire hand behind his heel in the shoe. No, I don't. Yeah. Put them on right now. Put them on right now. They're in the trunk. Yeah, sure they are. No, those shoes do not fit. I tried. So he and I wear the same size shoe, and the, the Romaleos he wears are from this guy. They're Jeff's. Yes, yeah. That was two sizes too big. Shout out Jeff Barnes. Shout out Jeff Barnes. May he forever rest in peace wherever he is. Probably still alive. He's alive. He's alive. Squad <laughs> uh, ran twice in them though. But uh, yeah, like you should be wearing like 10 and a half 11s, like, and you wear 12s. Big socks. Those shoes are Big so socks. narrow, too. You got tiny feet. They're so narrow, aren't they? I have a 12. They are, yeah, they are narrower. They're, they're wider. No, they're a little wider compared to the, uh, yeah, the three. The threes. I have. Yeah, I have the, the threes three. are more narrow. Than threes are narrow. The threes are the worst. The threes are the worst. Yeah, I have the threes. Threes too. are the worst. Yeah. The worst. I blew out a pair of threes, squatted them. Like I blew out the toe box on one side. Honestly, yeah. it was a blessing going into the twos after the threes with Jeff Barnes yeah. shoes, even the though they're bigger. Love Everyone loves threes. What's one of the few reasons I still go on uh, ATG, it's Astagrass or, or um, hookgrip.com, the weightlifting sites, because they find all these old outlets that have like Romaleo 2s on there. Uh, I still have a pair that's unopened because they're like just wide enough for my toes, but not like so wide that it's leaving a bunch of space like the Reeboks do for me. I feel like the way I squat, I can't, I could never really get into heels. Like I wore them and then like I just feel like I was like on my toes and like tipping over the whole time, but like it's too wide. For yeah, it'll be waste. Especially yeah. walked out yeah. or anything else, but I think it's more high bar and like uh, narrow squat. That's why I'm so good at them. Yeah, you don't require enough dorsiflexion for your squat to need them. No, <laughs> Pat, you never wore heels barefoot for life. I've never worn. I've never worn heels. You don't want a, a ten cent squat with hundred dollar shoes. There you go. All right, Louie. <laughs> Thank you. May he rest in peace. I got a thousand cents squat. <laughs> a thousand cents. <laughs> I just want to be strong enough to be able to do anything. I like heels. In my, I feel more secure in heels than if I wear it flats, in my opinion. That's why I like them more. And it helped me with depth, too. It is a little bit better. So that's just why I like them. I should try some, but I'm cheap as fuck. They're good. I like them. <clears throat> yeah, me and flats, my feet move around and my ankles. I don't, my, yeah. I have terrible ankles. Yeah. So that's the reason why I went into heels and because of the depth issues. Are those the, uh, damn. These are these like wide ass heels. Are the wide ass box? What are they? They're the, they're like TYR. Like squat U is like, oh, is like working with this guy. Yeah, tier, whatever. Yeah. And they're gonna like make these like pretty wide toe box ones. Ooh. Have you yeah. tried the? I know you said you were gonna try the wedge thing in your in your Vivos. Did you try it yet? Did it work? Or I, it's, it should get here like today or tomorrow. But I've had a few people tell me that it's gonna suck. They I say it because it's not long cup. enough. Yeah, you know? the heel cup in the Vivos is not very tall, so it's like you're gonna be like missing out on half the support on the back of your ankle in it. Yeah, they're saying it's like standing on a plate where it's like not enough heel like towards the midfoot. It's only in the heel and then it drops off too fast. Basically, or too fast. Ooh, that's gonna be rough. So I'll probably just I'm not gonna use them at all. They're like twenty bucks, whatever. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's worth it to, to kind of see maybe get something out of it or maybe they become a fun tool for like, oh, I, I need to do some 
SSB front squats or something, yeah. narrow stance that I have them in my gym bag. Great. You know? Yeah. Like an accessory for like, yeah, yeah. quads maybe, but we'll see. I wanted to try out those barefoot shoes that everyone was not like the toe ones, but like the, um, the, uh, the Kabuki ones. Yeah. I wanted to get the, but like, I either they were falling apart too much or like anytime I see somebody squatting, like even like remotely wide, it's like, if you're out on like the side of your foot, like the whole shoe, like, explodes it doesn't like explode but it, like it rolls under itself like it's so loose it's a big, it's so, yeah. it's a big leather sock do the vivos yeah. hold up pretty good on that like if you're yeah. pushing out like that they're not rolling under on themselves or no a, a little bit like they do have some lateral support whereas those other shoes like just have a sole and then it's just like cloth i mean like, they look cool it's like a, it's like a no shoe you know what i mean like thin yeah but the vivos the vivos do a little bit but i don't i don't sumo like super wide and I don't, so I don't really have that like spillover issue because I don't really force, I don't force a lot of like lateral tension. Yeah. But like Grigsby, he seems, he goes wide as shit and he seems to be okay. He doesn't seem to have like, uh, he's like a, a pinky toe away from like a hospital visit every time, dude. It's yeah. so close. <laughs> That's like half the excitement watching his pulls. There's that thing like this thing in the neck too. Like when he puts the bar down, he kind of like looks to one side. He never, <laughs> he never moves his feet. He just keeps his feet where they are and like puts the bar down. It's so scary. He, it's like the same spots that like were bleeding last year at the showdown meet, like have never healed since. And it's like, dude, it, I remember when we were in the back warm up room, he was bleeding and I had liquid skin and I had like, it's like a, a little, uh, it's like when you would put like nail polish on with like a little brush and like, he's, there's literally just a hole in his leg and I'm just trying to like paint as much of it on as I can. It's just get red is getting everywhere. Like, just, like, right off all his shit. I was like, dude, I got you. I got you. Just didn't help at all. Yeah, he's just fucking freak. But, yeah, I think it mostly hit. He gets torn up from the bar, but also, like, his fingernails, like, cutting his legs. I've had that, too, where it's, like, yeah. he just keeps it so close with the hook grip, too. Yeah. With the stance that, like, he has a lot of, like, his nails on his thigh, like, his fingernails cut. Oh, like, dude, I never even thought yeah. of that. Cause I used to do that where like when I'd lock out, I'd be like bending my fingernails backwards, like on my thigh, basically. Yay. Yeah. You can't have like any hangover. I know. Like I've That's, done that. Yeah, do you, do you still grow your like thumbnail kind of long to help with? Uh, I used to do that. A little was, bit. It's not nothing crazy. I mean, like. It like, keeps the nail bed in. Otherwise yeah, it, it peels you, out. Yeah. Rip it yeah. out the sides. Uh, but. So you want all these, like all your other nails, like as short as possible. And then like a moderate thumbnail. Yeah. yeah. Like just about that, you can, like, see like the end of your thumb under it. I feel like helps, but Dude, so twelve weeks out from the meet, man. What are you? What are you thinking? How, how you feeling? Kind of going in right now? It's still kind of just trepidation because I've kind of been the same spot where like I got 15, 16 weeks, and like I just like I just kind of tweaked my back squatting again today. So it's like I'm just kind of taking it like session at a time right now, feeling just kind of seeing where I'm at, or just kind of you know just kind of going with the flow. But then obviously like. 10, 11 weeks, then I'm going to have to start kind of making some more decisions. Like, are you feeling pretty, pretty on pace right now with where you want to be or just kind of still kind of feeling it out for right now? Yeah, man. After I hit that squat this past week, um, I was, I was thinking like, fuck, like, you know, I'm going to like have to like fight to just get my same squat I've already done basically. But now that like my starting point is, I don't think I've lost any strength like since ghost. I think I can go squat like, you know, 765, 770 right now. Dude, nice. So build towards the 800 pound squat, build towards like a five, 525, 530 bench. And then just, I really haven't deadlifted much. Yeah. Um, 
So deadly I feel like something like that, though, like for me, like, I don't know if you're probably the same way, like the amount of weight that like you and I shift is like it's top end wise, like you pull more than I do, but it's heavy. Like you can't pull like percents off that pretty frequently for I can't anyway. And so I feel like it's like them and I were just talking about this. Like you don't have to pull heavy, heavy weight as long as you just do enough to stimulate, especially with pulls, you know, speed wise. And then like you just touch a little bit, like for those last three, four weeks, then like it just kind of jump from there, you know? I find I always get a lot of carryover from squat. So as I like actually start training squat, yeah. I think that I'll get carryover just like well, especially the way you're squatting now with everything wide with the low bar and stuff. I think that's gonna be a direct carryover, you know what I yeah. mean? Like it's a secondary yeah. movement without you know before you even pull. Yeah, you're also not that wide. You're still gonna probably be quad dominant and your adductors and low bar. So like quads and adductors, low and low bar with like a heel like that and then think of how that carries over to your sumo which is mostly at quads and adductors as well glutes i think right. it'll bounce back real fast i would i would be surprised if he didn't but yeah looking for a big total you know that's the biggest thing squat and bench should have like big prs deadlifts the wild card but should be you a, big a number you're set on that you're pr- predicting or, or throwing out there or just keeping it close to the chest still yeah throwing those numbers around usually just that thousand like, kg's got to be the next goal dude that's 2204 <laughs> yeah, right. yeah but i'm gonna do more than that i'm gonna do more than a thousand that's that's the safe bet yeah but but i don't i don't want to say anything too crazy and then you know people are like what the fuck yeah you don't want to get clout shamed on instagram nah dude no one listens to this you're good <laughs> <laughs> this is not 20, this is, like 27 followers this is boys just riffing just to catch yeah. up yeah I, I, what's funny to me is every once in a while we get like a little spike i feel like of like people listening to them yeah. Nick needs to throw up like a, a super cool misleading thumbnail and like people are going to be like 20 minutes in they're going to be like wait that was all he was talking about in that thumbnail shit I'm committed at this point I'm just going to listen literally yeah. a picture of a thumbnail send us a picture of your long thumbnail that'll be the thumbnail for the fucking video yeah good keys <laughs> and then Patty you're feeling you're feeling like big big jump to 24 here man right yeah I'm at 24 Dude, if everything kind of, like I said, between you and Haas, like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, I think on the uh, on the sleep on the rap day, the first one, that's going to be the biggest thing. I don't think anyone else is going to be close to you guys. And then, especially, Have you ever on, heard it? I don't. It looks like he's doing sleeves now, dude. I don't know. He, he could. He'll be his squats blowing up in sleeves. His squats freaky. He's hitting depth too, I guess. <laughs> someone, someone posted, or he posted. He's like, he's like. Uh, raw squats are easier by the way and i'm like no shit they're easier dude you don't have to have someone wrap you up you don't have to walk up to the bar like that like yeah like no shit it's easier (laughs) multiply benching and squatting is harder than what you're doing you know what i mean like it's all fucking i don't know i I, i'm excited he's gonna hit something fucking big too he just pulled like 880 off blocks or whatever his training's looking fucking pretty wild um that means it's gonna be pretty loaded dude the production and everything else like that's gonna be I mean, from what they're saying, you know what I mean? From what I talked to the meat director about and stuff, it's going to be a pretty pretty sweet little deal to watch from home here. So I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, it should, it, should it should be a great meet. Michael usually puts on a show, you know? Yeah. Andrew and Pat, we're going to have the two biggest totals, right? Yeah, undoubtedly. On the wrap day, for sure. I mean, I, like, I think the next closest person will probably be uh, Phil. And then um, – oh, actually, no. Shit. Well, he's probably not listening to this either right now. But Zach Myers is doing that meet. He's – Oh he's, yeah, dude, he's been yeah, but he's still probably gonna hit. He's 
I don't know how he trains the way he does, dude. He just it's hits heavy. heavy triples and doubles year round, and then he fucking he's doing that, it. He's doing sleeves. He's doing yeah. sleeves, but he wants to be close to tw- whatever. He wants to be close to twenty four. So I mean, um, I mean, shit. I mean, if you if you do numbers in your head, like he's not. If he has a good day. It's not like it's irrational, you know what I mean? So third place. That squat triple was ridiculous. 8.43.8.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.40.
warming up it was like i couldn't hit depth with a bar with one plate it, i hit depth but it hurt and then like the heavier i got the easier it got and then i i loaded up 900 and it was just like oh, i'm gonna hurt today and the first the first set it was like a little shaky and the people i had running the mono like took the mono out before i was even set so like i wasn't even able to you like, didn't have a spotter up. either do you self-wrap yeah. yeah i self-wrap yes well, I'm ne I'm never gonna load something up that I can't hit. Like load up load up 505. I'll, I'll hit that any day. But um, yeah, I I pooped myself on on the first 900. I sat down, and then my knee tweaked again. I was like, ah shit. I hope this doesn't ping and just die because I didn't have safety straps on the mono either. You had so no second spot, one was you had no shaky. safeties. You pooped yourself and you hurt your knees. So you squatted it on one leg. You're oh. gonna have a bad time. But dude, he cleaned it up. He did 965 yesterday or whatever it was. 970. Yeah, dude. Clean. Clean. Yeah. And I, all I did was when I fall, when I go to sleep, I usually put my um, I bend my left leg and put it out to the side, which stretches that groin a little bit just because my legs are so heavy. So I adjusted the way that I sleep so that I have straight legs when I'm sleeping. So I have less stress on my groin. And um, it's it's all like really minute micro movements that like stress the the muscle groups like the groin. Like I instead of like turning to walk, I basically like shift almost like on my feet rather than through my hip to turn. So I look really weird walking, but it's all like these small micro movements reducing the amount of stress that I have on my knees and on my my hips, my groin, and just I I didn't have any sort of stress going into my groin for a full week because shane well he, i don't remember what you said exactly but I, I just recorded it in my head as stop being a pussy um and and just not stressing the groin and it just felt so much better like i mean the first couple warm-ups were a little rough but once i wrapped i what was it 8 23 when i started wrapping um i was like oh i just have to tighten the wraps around the uh, ligaments in the knees and I can't feel anything. So might as well just fucking eat it. So I went um, 823, 903, 970. That's savage. Oh, dude. And, like, and that's like, that was the peak of what you're doing for the whole prep too. So now you just have three weeks to continue walking a little funny. But as soon as you want yeah. to have that weight at the meet, like it's worth it. That's worth walking yeah. you for a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, and and this, this, this new gym has a, a masseuse and, so I was like, oh, could you work on my groin? Uh, no, no Watson here. But um, he was like, yeah, I can get you in next Wednesday. I was like, shit. Should I fill out the, 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 the questionnaire that he's sending before I squat in case it just like pings off like a like a fucking bowstring or like. But I'm, I'm all good. So I got the appointment on Wednesday. He'll be working on on my inner thigh and my legs. So oh, so what are you what are you waiting right about now? You were like 368, 369 last comp? Yeah, I'm three, 367, but uh, the fucking orals just, oh. Like, I'm having trouble keeping up with the food because just the orals suck. Well, bro, it doesn't help that they expired three years ago. Yeesh. Are you taking, a, a, like, a, a supplement, like a digestive supplement to help? Like, Um. I've have, I have basically a pharmacy worth of GNC supplements helping me. So like zinc, magnesium, uh, chromium picolinate, um, collagen, fish oil, uh, probiotics, 
Um, pretty much if, if it's going to help uh, selenium, if you think that it's going to help, I'm basically taking it like um, theanine, um, ashwagandha, turmeric. What, what nasal is Nasal breathing. Small... We didn't talk about that. Yeah. Nasal breathing. Um, yeah. Let's, let's inform the fucking mouth breathers who are listening to this, what they're missing out on this, this nasal breathing trend. You know, you know, I, I was following along with, with Shane's stories on nasal breathing as well as Joe Sullivan's. I was like those fucking football coaches who said in through the nose, out through the mouth, that they, they weren't just spouting that shit out. It, it's like the nasal breathing is, is intense. And I started implementing it and it's well implementing it more consciously and it's it's a world of difference yeah i just think like especially if you're like if you're lifting or you're doing anything active you start breathing through your mouth like your 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 propensity to be dehydrated like just your mouth's gonna get dry so fast you gotta start drinking water immediately and i just feel like even if you do drink water you're gonna dehydrate yourself so much faster like when i go on my rucks and walks and shit i just i will never open my mouth and i won't get thirsty like i'll just you know i'll keep um like tongue on the roof of the mouth, like, and I won't get thirsty the whole time. And I feel like your ability to just like do anything is enhanced when you're not in that, like that panicky mouth breathing, like dry mouth situation, you know? I think it's a way to auto-regulate yourself too, for like intensity levels. Cause like, if you're focused on like not going past the point where you have to gasp for air, you're probably yeah. keeping within a certain aerobic capacity more than anything, which it's like self-limiting in a sense that it's keeping you from overstressing yourself. Uh, or overexerting yourself when you don't need to. Um, I remember like years ago, there was like articles about people like cyclists and runners, like they would tape their mouths shut to force themselves to nasal breathe. Because yeah. it like forces you to open up the sinus cavity and um, like expand your lungs more. I don't know if there's been like much like legitimate peer reviewed science on it or not. I remember that was a trend and like those the same people that were like doing keto for hypermiler runners and stuff like that it was kind of in that same era uh, but I was, I was interested to see it coming over to powerlifting and making its debut i'm definitely a mouth breather a lot of the time and also i have terrible allergies like <laughs> if claritin didn't exist i'd be dead I feel, is it something that you feel like you kind of like once you got into it like it's easier just to kind of like except for your entire ruck you were able to do it like right away and just consistently well, be it's kind of like you're, it's a constant like correction thing. Cause you're going to resort to mouth breathing sometimes. Yeah. And like, I was a personal trainer for like three years. And I noticed like when you're just standing there talking all day long, like my hands and feet, and I'm in like an eight, like an air conditioned, like place too, like commercial gym, but my hands and feet would be like freezing. And I like, I knew my circulation was just shit. So I was just constantly like talking and like mm -hmm. inhaling, exhaling, talking through the mouth. Um, and when I quit doing that, like when I stopped being a personal trainer, like that, like completely went away. Like my hands and feet, like never get cold anymore. It's like, it's crazy. It's a world of difference. And it's, um, I just don't talk as much. I used to talk all fucking day long and now I don't. So it's like the biggest source of mouth breathing that I have. Like, I don't do that anymore. You know, mm -hmm. I don't like, I don't, I don't have that at all. But I think like, even if you're like exercising, like you find yourself mouth breathing, um, like Sean was saying, you can kind of like regulate yourself back, like calm yourself down by just going back to the nasal breathing. So for me, it's like, it's not something I have to like force myself to do. It's like, a, it's almost like a relief. I can go back to you know, like calm myself down with the nasal breathing, but it's not like people ask me all the time, like, Oh, like, should you brace through your nose? It's like, you're thinking about it too much. It's like, it doesn't matter 
that much. Like it matters like what you do at rest, you know? Yeah. Your mouth, if you're just like laying on the couch, you have to breathe through your mouth, like something's wrong. But if you're like under maximal stress, like it doesn't fucking matter. Like breathe through your mouth, breathe however you want, like whatever you so you can brace that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that doesn't matter at all. It mostly matters like how you breathe when you sleep, but that's the biggest thing, you know? Like sleeping. Did, have you been know, keeping up with the CPAP? No, dude, I gave that fucking thing back. No, I, I, no, it'll save your life. Dude, I swear, I've like fixed my sleep apnea by just sleeping on my side, though. Really? Like, I, I don't breathe. I don't breathe through my mouth. Like I won't. Like I can't. Basically, for some just reason. Wait, I, are you going side. up a weight class right now? No, no I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm staying here. You stay two seventy five. All right. If my arms fall asleep. I feel like if I'm on my side, like I gotta. <laughs> yeah. I gotta be like. Bro, I got. I have like twelve pillows in the bed. I swear, I'm like, I'm like a sea of pillows to like keep myself supported. Yeah. <laughs> Same way, dude. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta become a grown man and buy a pregnancy pillow. It's like a big long U shape, and it makes like a little tunnel around you, and you slip under one arm. It's. I would, dude. I would love that. I'll send you some links. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it's it's the, one of the best hundred dollars I ever spent on Amazon. I feel like in this pregnancy pillow. I was thinking about getting a giant body pillow, but that sounds better. That sounds yeah. Really it's better. like a big. It's like a double body pillow. It goes in like a big U shape, so you can put your head on, like tuck it between your legs, and it kind of big spoons you. If you you just feel coddled like all night like, long. And then like, like what I do is I'll roll over and I'll be on both sides and I'm just kind of sit there like king of the king of the castle, just both my arms and I can't roll over too much and roll out of bed. Or in your dream, you just got like two girls under each side and it's just like your overpriced yeah, pillow. Yeah, you know, just I, fucking I just chill strap with. Pat's mom's bra on one side and just gently stroke it. Miss McGuire's a nice lady. McGuire's a nice lady. Pat, you still don't have a CPAP, do you? I have, so <laughs> I have a CPAP that um, the guy who's helping me with my social media gave to me but i don't have a uh, power adapter or a hose or a mask so i just have the cpap with you have the box use it. i just have the box i got a i got a computer modem but just the modem no screen or anything we got you can go on amazon you can get all that stuff the masks are a little different now as far as i was talking to sean like i gotta buy like mine like at an in-store place because they like there was a recall on a bunch of machines and stuff. Yeah, but. so like the, all the ancillaries you're talking about, you can buy online on Amazon. The trick is they don't sell the whole thing together in one piece because it's a durable medical equipment device. And so like what they do is they'll sell everything but one piece of the whole headset. And then they'll separately sell that one piece of the headset under like a different uh, item. And you just buy the two together, you know, at the same time in the cart. And that way you don't have to go through a medical supply company because it's not regulated. If it's, if it's in pieces, it's like a replacement piece, it's not regulated. You don't need to have a prescription or go somewhere. So you can buy all the pieces you need. They're just not going to come all together in one box. It's going to be like one box that's been opened and somebody removed the piece from and then put a piece in another box and shipped it to you, basically. Perfect. Do you guys get into like uh, like shows a lot? Like uh, like when you're like in meat prep and stuff, is that like your go-to to stay at home and keep entertained or you guys just, uh, I know you both are very active, but like. I just watch whatever my girlfriend's watching. I'd be watching all kinds of bullshit. Grace and watching Adam. cooking shows at my house. That's keeping what I do too. Yeah, yeah. Keeping yeah. up with the Kardashians. Uh, my, my wife has watched Grey's Anatomy over 20 times in a row. She, she'll like finish it and start it back up. So I'm There's like, like 20 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. So you can go oh, to 20 by 20 Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, I know. Volume boys. I'm like, you might as well have a medical degree based on how many Grey's Anatomies you've, you've seen. Like, 
Oh man, get her to watch House at least. Jesus. Oh, I can't do the medical show, so she'll she'll put it on. I'll leave, and I she's seen it so many times. I still know everything that's going on. I used to watch those things, but I got so mundane and. Uh, it's almost annoying. like Shameless. Like, yeah. It's over so many and over seasons. and over and over again. Yeah. I can't start that one. We were just talking about the the anime kick with all like the USAPL lifters now and stuff. I like I love my anime. Like I watch a lot of anime. Pat watches his anime, but I'm not like I don't plug the two together. Like I don't that's where I don't maybe I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe I don't really appreciate it enough. It's I thought weird. I appreciated it. I was like an anime nerd and made fun of for it and uh like made to be like a peon in high school and then i started lifting weights to get big because i was bullied and not good at sports not i started powerlifting because all the anime nerds want to be strong like goku and powerlift to be anime like but I, I backed into this sport by accident of being a nerd and wanting revenge and being the bigger than the jocks and all that versus nowadays i feel like it's just like the straight jump like powerlift is like fuck team sports yeah i'm gonna start a twitch stream and i'm gonna start playing video games powerlifting in my basement yeah. don't even watch sports yeah is your gym loaded with with all kinds of anime t-shirts and everything like that shane or is it oh, guys- they're all college kids but yeah. some of them, some of them, yeah but they're mostly college kids you know definitely yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of, well i mean capital city barbell was never that uh douchey i feel like every time i've gone there to visit I was expecting like a bunch of frat guys that wanted to be powerlifters and then showed up and got their egos pushed in by like the girls squatting more than them. But I think that's the yeah, student life center. More mostly, mostly all those people end up at the leech or like at whatever yeah. whatever gym is nearby. You know, we have a crunch now, so they're all there. Oh yeah, <laughs> that takes up a good bunch of them. Club, yeah. like, <laughs> club crunch like club Publix. <laughs> you you went to momentum right weren't you you were in town when you went to momentum when you were here like uh yeah i went to there like once or twice uh like when i dropped in so because my family still lives up there off Appalachie. oh really uh, okay so like i've driven there and i've gone to seminole i went to the golds where the the capital city where josh used to work when you guys were still training in that one room there i've been to the other golds yeah. I've been to most of the gyms there and CrossFit boxes. But, yeah, I think the last time I was here, I messaged you. I went up to Momentum and dropped in for a day. It's I okay. There. I used to go there. They have some some cool stuff. I mean, some, yeah. like, obscure machines and stuff. But it's, you know, no good, like, powerlifting equipment. That, that used to be Gold's, too. That used to be a Gold's gym, too. Yeah. I feel like but. Tallahassee's grown up a lot as far as, like, the gym culture and stuff. I, I think it's maybe because fitness in general is so much more of a – strong part of culture with instagram and everything like uh college kids are like way more into lifting weights than uh, they used to be yeah even me like i go to the crunch like it's two blocks from my house when i'm in downtown like my girlfriend goes there and i like to go there to just like train by myself a lot uh get away from things and like but I noticed every high school kid in the world is like a gym membership now. Yeah, it was a two and a half. It's like there's like I remember when I was like a, in high school and I started lifting weights and going to like a lifestyles. I was like one of like three other kids in the gym, and the rest of it was all old gym dudes and bros and like guys wearing bandanas and then like one or two super juiced out ladies that were scary, <laughs> like just like monstru- monstrously strong, you know, like, spandex everything, like spandex and like you know. But this is also like the early two thousands. You know, it's like 2007 or 2006, 7, 8, that era. I'm like, 
And then now I'm like in there, like everything's so bright and shiny. And there's a million and one like underage girls wearing next to nothing that are getting like chased Real around babe. by all these old middle-aged men that are creeps. I'm just like, this is such a fucking it's like a robot. It's it's so. terrible. It's like going to like the conventions and seeing like the juxtaposition of all of this like sexuality with fitness. And all that. So we're like, we're gonna be the generation that's gonna turn it around. We're no longer gonna be the fattest country in the world, fitness based. And it's also I think McDonald's is winning that fight. Also <laughs> gonna be the time to be like the ideal time to be that salty old man in the gym. And now there's finally a bunch of girls that are actually gonna be at the gym that they can like back on. Like that's the other like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel I like be like those I feel like an angry Gen X or or whatever, like like that right in between generation of like when it was like really still hard and life sucked, and then it became really nice. It's like these damn kids don't know what it's like. I used to load my own plates. <laughs> like, I didn't have bumper plates. I had to put it down lightly. Like, you know, like, oh my God. I'm going to die an old codger. I'm like 70 in my soul. I've only ever been kicked out of a gold's gym. I got, no, I didn't really get kicked out, but at the gym Nick used to work at, at how we met each other and became friends, I got chewed out one time and like, I was like, you know what? Fine. I quit. And I grabbed my bar. I had a bar and plates that I kept there for Olympic lifting. Let's grab it all on the left. What'd you get kicked out for, Pat? Deadlifting. And I was like, you guys know what your fucking logo is, right? Yeah. Guy deadlifting. Guy deadlifting. Mine was I was dropping like snatches and cleans. Like I had a corner that they let me do the snatch and clean and jerk in for a while. And then I guess I scared some silver sneakers old lady that was like <laughs> trying to sign up. Because I dropped I dropped like a 225 snatch, you know, from overhead because I was missing it. And he's like, you just rattled the whole gym. This lady had a heart attack and she didn't sign up and sign up for personal training. I'm like, Dude, I've been going here for like three years. Get off my dick. I don't <laughs> like, value member. Like, I like I paid my dues. I paid my dues, you bitch. <laughs> just don't just put it down lightly. Like, I'm not gonna put it down lightly. I'm not gonna tear my rotator cuff. Just, just put it down gently on a snatch that I missed. I'm sorry. And then that, that me and Nick like a year later started PB after going to Bless for a while. Yeah. Do any of you guys follow Charlie Jung? Charlie Young? Like Jung? UNG? Yeah. So he, he posted something a couple weeks ago. I just sent it to, to Craig where he was doing his bodybuilding posing routine and some guy, some just like 20-year-old guy just starts chewing him out because his girlfriend was there. I saw that. I saw that. that that's got to be some of the, the most fulfilling, like <sighs> – engagements ever where like you are verified because you are so jacked that this this person feels inadequate by their by proxy <laughs> like yeah by proxy because their girlfriend is there and she's probably probably doing a pretty good fluff job for her so probably getting laid when they get home but like Can you imagine though some guy walking up to me excuse me sir sir i'm sorry you are too aesthetic you're you're too aesthetic <laughs> there's women you're <laughs> You're sexually molesting my girlfriend when she gazes upon your body. And it's making me feel uncomfortable. My girlfriend is being aroused by your striations in your pectoral muscles. Imagine if that Please was reversed. Back on your pants. That was a guy, like... How many likes, though? Oh, like a million. The TikTok all, I saw. All three you knew about it. I'm not on TikTok. I didn't I, see yeah, it. I saw it on TikTok as like a repost of somebody commenting yeah. on it. I saw that on Facebook uh, last night, actually. I was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's like LA fitness shit, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's almost sixty-eight thousand. Yeesh. Yeesh, yeah. 
on Instagram. Sense. Remember the Evan? It was Evan Crandon. Cardone. Yeah, Cardone. The guy that pushed his deadlift out of the way. I wonder how much that guy was like staged, and that's how he got his all his Instagram fame because he he's never like I mean he's a good deadlifter. He's got a decent total, but I just wonder like some of that. There's no total. It's just it's all all the gym. Yeah, his gym. He has a cologne. That's right. I'm pretty sure he has a cologne. Oh yeah, he does have a cracking. He sells the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Really? What's it called? He sprays it on after he does a pull. I'm gonna look this up. I'm gonna Google this. That's marketing. There's gotta be some sort of pheromone in there. It's like it's like pheromone king here. It has to smell terrible. Evan, gotta be hard to breathe in that gym if he's spraying that so much. He made a YouTube video about me one time. Ooh, really? Good or bad? A A ten minute video where he was basically just like. He was like, "Yeah, he pulls 400 kilos, but it's but it's sumo." <laughs> yeah, and it's in a meat sucker. <laughs> I hate people who are like that. Dude, these are they're just bad. Where like it'll be like a really heavy lady trying to like lose weight for like life quality, and it's like enter Cardone, and it's like he just rips up like I don't know, like whatever the fuck it is, and it's like you just bagged on like a fucking. Dude, the thing is, like, the TikTok kids, like, a lot of them love him. I don't, I don't know why. Like, they don't the know personality. Dude. Like, the personality yeah. thing. Like, I mean, I don't know this guy from Adam. I've never talked to him in person. Is that Logan Paul? He may be the sweetest person in the world, but like, he's not. Yeah, from what I see, he's not, and I don't think he wants to be perceived as that, anyways. Because God is he's an ass clown. He's an ass clown. <laughs> <laughs> he like he used to bleach his hair. Is that why he looks different now? Yeah, he used to have bleach his hair. But like, if you gotta wear a shirt with your name on it, it's so a bad like, man with a shirt with uh, his own name on it. Yeah, both uh, Craig Shane and Shane have uh, a shirt with my name on it. Yeah, I do. I want the. I, yeah, I want one of those. Your mom's favorite powerlifter. He showed up to the meet with one for me, Craig yeah. and Dan. He's like, "Here's my shirt," and I was like, "Yes, I like them." Yeah. Here's my shirt. I feel like you can make that just even without your name on it, just but your mom's favorite powerlifter and just sell that. The people would buy the shit out of them. You guys ever do the red light? Dude, I've done sauna. I, I done uh, actually, no, not red light. I've done infrared therapy. But isn't that the same thing? Sauna? Infrared sauna, sauna, yeah. Sauna, yeah. That's gotta that's gotta be the move. Like you get way faster results, I think. It's normal. it's so like the way it was explained to me is like you sit in there and it's like the the sauna itself is not going to get hot, but it heats you up. So like, you'll be sitting there and you start feeling like it's hot as shit, but then like, you almost kind of like look up or like you kind of just move and you're like, Oh, it's still cold. It's just me. And um, it does something to your cells where it just makes them recover faster. So it's like those heat shock proteins. Yeah. It's infrared, like cooking you. It's like microwaving you. Yeah. But it feels good, dude. It's like exfoliating and stuff. It's nice. I don't know. Are you still wrestling by going to LA? Sauna. Yeah, are your swimmers gonna be like nuclear fied? Like, are you gonna be popping out superhuman baby or mutant babies? Dude, I'm concerned with the next meat prep. Let's let's lay down the road here. I'm looking for results. <laughs> you taking advantage of that though? What the red, red light? light therapy? No, I thought about it. I thought about buying one with Dude, those wow. sweet glasses and stuff. And then you just sit in front of the lamp, right? Isn't that how it works? Some of them, some of them are like hundreds of dollars, and then some are like twenty dollars. So there's got to be something to like something to it like you know they so, can't i mean i bought a um, i bought a full spectrum uv light um i have two of them one that i use for like my plants in my apartment 
And the other one I put by my work desk because my whole apartment's very dark and like uh, there's a lot of trees. So I wasn't getting a lot of sunlight and I work from home. So I got a full spectrum UV light and it has like some of the infrared wavelength and then like the, it can change the red tones and stuff like that. So there is a setting that is sunlight for it uh, that I've started utilizing. I noticed like when I put that on, like first thing in the morning as I sit down, like I definitely wake up a lot better. I feel like I have better circulation and energy levels because like I'm constantly getting light stimulus through the day. And then at night I can turn off the blue light and like, so it'll filter to like a red or like tungsten orange kind of color. So that way it's easier to fall asleep at night with your circadian rhythm. I don't know about the, the direct red light therapy, if that's like kind of a similar way of like shocking your body into getting the same results quickly or. Yeah, I, I, I think it is. I've done a little bit of red light stuff, except instead of going out and buying a, like a real red light therapy kit, I went to Lowe's right after Christmas and bought um, red light bulbs. <laughs> is that the same? Bucks. That I mean, the, the light is red. <laughs> it's gotta be the same. It's red, it's light. The light is red. <laughs> this is like Mr. Incredible. <laughs> math is math. <laughs> but, um, like I, I put the red light on on me and like the more exposed skin that you got exposed to it the better it feels but like after a little while i get jittery you tried perennium sunning when that was a thing like a couple months ago no i where stay you, away you, from the sun where you sun your asshole it's like gives you like you sun your Wait. asshole for like five minutes it gives you like a full day's worth of vitamin d is that Is real? I don't know. Real? Apparently, Tom Cruise did it, and he, he sunburned his asshole. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is you need a partner. I don't know why I know these things. Who wants to be the person to try that out? So, so what you're saying is you need a partner to lotion up your asshole before you <laughs> need some chapstick, <laughs> some tanning oil. Oh, oh that's worse. Uh, yeah, it's the same concept. Like it's like a UV light stimulus that's supposed to help you. It was all like the, the hippy dippy new age people were like going and sunning their tates in like a upward facing dog pose or something. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the points that never get sun, I guess, where the sun don't shine. Yeah. So it's very sensitive to sunlight because it's probably like probably the most uh, sensitive to it because it gets it the least often, I guess. But anyways, red light sunning uh, <laughs> on topic. I mean, it's if you get a three dollar light bulb from Lowe's, it's probably the cheapest thing that you can do. It's it's kind of like everyone tries to perform better by taking these big steps. Like when people go on crazy diets to lose weight, when all they need to do is just eat the same stuff that they do, but less, a little less. Little things add up. So I'm like, what's the least effort that you can put into bettering your, yourself? And it could be something simple like brushing your teeth, like. What, what's, what can you put in the least effort, but still get results from? And, and then once that's what's going to be the easiest thing to make sure you're doing consistently. Cause if you do anything and then just stop or half-ass at, at a certain point then you're just not going to get that same result. Right. Yeah. And then once it's already ingrained in your like daily DNA, then you can do something else that's low effort and then see yourself six months down the road. You're a completely different person. Cause you're doing all these little things, these little micro not microaggressions, but like micro habits building up to build these really big things. So like yeah. a $3 light bulb from Lowe's? Hell yeah. <laughs> so, still made it work. Just doing a quick Google search. Like I'm reading this and it sounds like most of the benefits are to not make a huge pun skin deep. Um, 
Yeah. It's improved like wound healing, stretch marks, wrinkles, fine lines, and age spots, et cetera. Oh, so it's it just red light my ball sack. So it, it, <laughs> so it's not like it's going to like change, you know, your hormone profile or your sleep schedule that much from what at least Google will tell you at face value. But it sounded a lot like photosynthesis, but we're humans. It sounds like they want us all to believe we're Superman, but I, then there's this hippie website called the Freedom Float Center. Maybe they're not hippies. I don't know. I've never seen them before, but red is anti-aging. Purple is cell rejuvenation. Blue is anti-acne and teeth whitening. Cyan is a skin soother. Green is skin balance or yellow is a redness reducer. And then infrared is a results booster. Penetrates deeper into the skin for amplified results. This just seems like you should probably just drink more water and get natural sunlight and be less so it, it sounds it sounds similar to the um cognitive effects of classroom colors that they did big studies on where like you have different colors at the front of the classroom so like if you have a lot of red at the front the kids are going to be angry like yeah that's like learning environments yeah that's part of like industrial psychology is designing rooms and architecture with color in mind because it can elicit tones that's why like people get really like Starbucks because they get a huge dopaminergic effect from caffeine and also like green and brown and white earth tones tend to be very calming versus coffee makes you jittery. And then the synergist of the two makes you have this kind of euphoric sense. Yeah. Uh, similarly, like how McDonald's uses red and yellow, it's excitement and happiness. And then you and get, you're angry once you eat it because of the red. No, and then when you eat it, it's the sodium and like the the blend, like the, there's a ratio of like uh, sodium to corn syrup that has like a chemical reaction in your brain similar to like heroin and it causes a dopamine dump. And so it's like that partly goes into like industrial psychology of how they use different products and marketing to like get you hooked on it regularly. But for me, like the whole red light therapy thing is like an idea of buy-in. Like it's the big, it's the placebo. The bigger, the brighter the pill, the more of an effect. So if like, if somebody's doing that little bit, uh, if they're at that point in their life where they're doing that little bit of buy-in to make a difference, they'll probably carry over that buy-in into other facets of their lives that will actually help. Like drinking more water, eating more fiber, you know, going to bed earlier. Like if they're at the extent where it's like, you know what I need to really make me feel better is this little red bulb. You know, like they'll probably do some other stuff better. And so like, I'm like, okay, get your little salt rock lamp, get your whatever, but you know, do all the other stuff too. Like, don't let this be a reason why you don't brush your hair and take care of yourself. Otherwise, you know, like not everything. But so sometimes like what I've learned, at least as a coach is to let those things go when people bring them to me. I'm like, like the cryo thing. I told you, if it makes you feel better and you like it, go do it. It does make me feel better. I'll make sure you say that. But I mean, and like, you know, they've helped him a lot and done all that. But like, you know, there's a lot of science to say that, you know, that ice therapy is not the best thing, right? Because it blunts inflammation that's useful for repair. You know, it is a good, like a little acute intervention occasionally, but people that regularly use ice to cool off after workout are blunting the actual repair process and slowing down protein synthesis. And so it's like, but if that helps you feel better to do everything else the rest of the day, you know, I'll train that little 5% detriment in recovery of ice bath. If you're a hundred percent in on everything else, because you know, I did my ice bath, I'm eating my beef, my handful of spinach. I'm going to go do my walk later because my body doesn't hurt, you know, because I took my ice bath. Like if you're mentally convinced and that's the thing that helps you have buy-in then. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's like, it's not going to impede you that much. It's not going to hurt your recovery that much. But if you think it helped and you, it's like fits in your big, 
like puzzle, like your plan. And you're like, I did everything. Then I feel like just that mindset of, oh, I did everything. I covered all my bases is, you know, probably going to help you. Well, even that just makes you just feel more comfortable, even just like being in a position to put your like, all right, like, do I feel like I've done all my things? Like I'm in a position to put myself under this fucking really heavy weight that I've never done before. Yeah. Like, yeah. Of yeah. like how many little wins did you just give yourself with things that might've been really easy that didn't make a difference, but all those little wins tally up to give you the confidence that, you know what, I'm going to have a good squat day today. But yesterday I ate my beef. I drank my water. I sat in front of my red light, you know, like I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, that sounds dumb in context, but psychologically to a, an athlete or a lifter, like that can be everything, you know, like, it's like the security blanket effect. Like why do some lifters have their favorite pair of shoes that they didn't replace for three and a half years, you know? Cause I squatted 900 pounds in those shoes. Yeah, shows. That like could have blown them out at every squat at that meet. And we glued them together in between attempts. But you know, that, that pair of shoes was the shoe, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, there's little things like that. I think all throughout fitness where it's like, we look at it from maybe more experienced eyes and look like ah, that's bullshit or whatever. But like, I will usually talk to you like, Hey, if that's the one thing that helps you. And like, I just had this conversation with my girlfriend the other night that like, she was asking me, she got like a fat burner, like a thermogenic thing that she bought offline from like a, a women's health website. And I looked at the ingredients and I'm like, yeah, it's like a green tea extract and black pepper. Like there's some thermogenic properties in here, but this is not going to you know, do any you know, crazy things for you. But if you taking this makes you hold yourself accountable to your diet, otherwise, like you're going to skip the sweets at work that are on the table. She's like, well, I took my fat burner today. I don't want to offset taking that by eating this. You know, I'm going to stick to my salad I ate, you know, and say, like, oh, I'm going to go do my walk. I took my fat burner today. I really need to make the most of that. You know, that's going to enhance your results by those other, uh, by proxy of, or by tangent of that taking the fat burner, those behaviors that change are going to be the real driving results. But if it takes that, that's fine. I just hate when people come to you and say, like, why well, taking this fat burner? So I'm gonna get shredded, and like I'm gonna go still eat McDonald's chicken nuggets. It's like it's not really how that works. Yeah, any kind of like performance enhancement. It's like if you use it as a band aid, you like severely undervalue what you could get out of it because like if it, as a band aid, it like barely works. But if you use it like do everything else right, and that's on top, it's like shit. This really works really well, and everyone's like, oh, you know, steroids work so amazingly, and like yeah, they do if you do everything else right. You Optimize know? everything yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. It's like, People ask me, like, what's the one thing I can do a lot better at? I'm like, probably drink more water and sleep another hour every night. Yeah. yeah. So, so you can prove to me you can sleep nine hours, like, every night regularly for a month and drink your gallon and a half. Like, I would start there with any, anybody. Like, that message you has to be stuff. That's the first two things they don't do. that nobody does. I don't do. Like, I have a shit sleep schedule and shit water intake. I need to do better at it. You know, and I know like that's something I focus on daily when I'm at work is trying to drink water and focus on get done with work on time so I can log out and get, get to bed on time. And it never happens despite how much I focus on it. So it's like I know that other people are going to struggle too. So prioritize what you can. Yeah, sleep's got to be the most like the most important thing out of any any other recovery like modality, you know, besides like obviously like eating enough food. But just like if you're not sleeping, like no matter how hard you train, you're just gonna probably get hurt and just not make progress, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you posted something a while ago saying that when you were doing one prep, where you were sleeping like ten plus hours a day, weren't you? Yeah. So uh, the uh, summer between my second to last uh, semester at college and uh, my last semester at college, 
I didn't have anything going on. So literally all I was, was wake up, lift, eat, go back to sleep. So I was sleeping between 10 to 14 hours a day. My days got short, but though that prep, I put up some of the, the biggest gains that I've ever. Yeah. I've that's made. when you, that's when you cracked 23, right? Uh, no, that was, that was after I graduated and I was doing something similar. I was, I was sleeping 10 to 11 hours a day, which is still I'm like, like, I get eight and I'm like, fuck yeah, I did my job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like when I think about stuff like that, uh, Shane, you know, Mike Taylor, right? Dr. Yeah. Mike, yeah. Dr. Mike Taylor now, like, so I remember when he squatted 600 for the first time, it was over a summer. And I was like, dude, how the fuck did you do this? Cause like we were putting up very similar numbers at one point, And then he just blew right past me in a summer. He's like, dude, I had nothing going on. Like yeah, I, I had like one class over summer. Uh, I think he said, and like, other than that, I ate and I trained and I would like just hang out and go to sleep and take naps. I'm like, so puts like 50, 60 pounds on a lift over three months. You know? And his bench, his bench blew up too. And I remember bench. that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a testament of like, hey, if you are prioritizing recovery, stimulus and recovery, stimulus and recovery, like you can go pretty far, pretty fast. It's just you have to remove all these other extraneous valuables. And I think that's the issue is like too many people, maybe not too many, because we need, you know, diverse and valuable lives. Like, people probably think they're being a lot more people think disciplined, they're being a lot than, more they really disciplined than they are. Yeah. It's like, you know, when I remember when we lived, remember when we lived together, I like, went in your room, you had a poster like on the wall of like Pink Floyd. And then like your powerlifting medals and like your your bed on a riser and like a tiny ass TV and that was like everything in your room. And you had I remember counting. You had twelve shirts and like four pairs of shorts, other than like your workout stuff. And I was like, how do you live like this? Like I don't, I, I work out and then I come home. <laughs> I've had I've had some of the best preps of my entire life right after breakups, and it's because you have nothing else going on. You're just like, well, shit. I like this other thing. This is really important to me. And you dump all your time into it. And there's, we were just joking about like the, the like, oh, that lift doesn't have any meaning. Like you got to get like mentally fired up for it. But it's like, you, that's literally all you're doing. You know what I mean? Like if you're optimizing your time like that, it's like, I get really into uh, sumo wrestling. Like I really, that same summer I was living with these guys and like watching those guys, it's like, they literally all, they don't get paid, but it's like, until they get to a certain point, but they all live in this house with each other. And all they literally do is eat, train, sleep. And it's like, you're not going to get paid, but they'll give you like room and board. And then you have to like basically be an indentured servant to like cook and like clean and do everything else. You're like a slave for the higher rank sumo wrestlers. And it's like, you literally earn your money. You earn system. Yeah. yeah, But it's like, I don't know, man. I think there's something kind of pretty, uh, it's cool. There's something like pretty cool about just like literally just putting everything you got into one thing and then. I mean, you can't do that consistently, but like, if you have like three or four months that you're not doing anything, you know what I mean? If you can just put it all into one thing and like, see what you're able to do when you're truly, truly commit and dump everything you have into something like, I don't know. It's like a, it's pretty like empowering thing. Like you're just like, Oh shit, I could yeah. set these lofty goals. And if you really just focus all on that, like it's kind of well, nice when that kind of works out. Do you remember the story that uh, was it Tom told us about April? Like, so April Mathis, does she still have the record for yep. the largest yep. sleeves, sleeves highest, and sleeves and highest bra, female bra. total for sleeves and wraps, right? And like he went to her house to like help her with whatever, and like didn't realize how she lived, and that like he went and like it was literally a mattress on the floor, and then a, a wall lined with books, and she had her laptop that she like worked on and like had for whatever, 
And then in her kitchen, she had like two plates, two bowls, two forks, two spoons, two knives, a pan and a pot. And like, the, she didn't have art, didn't have decorations. And like, you know, this is not a knock against her, but like, that was just like what she felt she needed in order to remove every other distraction. And like, her, she literally focused her whole life around just training and, you know, work and sleep and train. And like, that was it. And I mean, I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think it is as far as like being a healthy functioning human or all around. But it makes you really good at whatever you're choosing to do. And if that happens to be powerlifting, that happens to be powerlifting. I think there's just like some, there is some um, takeaway from that of that, like, hey, like when you say like, oh, I give up so much for this. I'm, you know, guilty of this too. Like I give up so much for this or that. And it's like, yeah, but you still went out and had like four margaritas at Applebee's on a Friday, you know, or whatever. Like, and I'm guilty of it. I like to go out on the weekends, but I'm also, I've written away my powerlifting dreams of having a world record ever. I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> I like tequila. Uh, but like those people that like live and die by the clout of Instagram, like I'm going to be this somebody someday. It's like, well, are you really doing the same things that those people that are somebody's are doing? Like, are you really giving away all that much? And like, if you're not like, you know, maybe then, you know, stop talking so much shit online and comment, subtweeting and commenting on people, you know? Usually the ones that do sacrifice still have to talk about it compared to the ones. Yeah. They always talk about it. Don't talk, talk about, don't talk about it, be about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, that, that Shane guy, he pulls, uh, you know, 400 kilos, but it's sumo. That's the kind of comment that makes you think like, all right, dude, like, yeah, you're going to, what's wrong with the other, what's wrong with you? What's wrong <laughs> with you? Like that, like, what are you not doing? That's not leading to your own success. Cause you, the only thing you have is to point out a flaw or a, a, a supposed flaw on somebody else. It also brings up the, the idea of a um, positive mindset, positive results uh, versus the negative mindset, bad mm-hmm. results that, that I, I witnessed coming down to the ghost clash with you guys. Like, up north all the meats are like everyone's just cold they're they're trying to be as zoned in as possible and then like going down to miami everyone's like what's up it's a party and then like fun yeah it's yeah. crazy what happens when you have fun when you're at one of those meets yeah. right yeah, like, yeah. you'll be zoned in all day but like you can still bullshit and you know crack a fart joke here and there and have a good time with the buddies you know like yeah like right right before my squat last night i was i was i was giving my uh my one spotter shit i was like look at the left side call that keanu look at the right side that's sandra bullock because this is going to be speed (laughs) i I think i sent shane the video i'm like you guys like pixar movies because it's gonna be like cars i'm dude it's a mindset dude it takes like that I don't know. Like you have, like you always have that anxiety, but it's almost like you, like you put it in. I'm excited. You know what I mean? Like it's just like let's let's go. Like it's a yeah. different mindset. It relieves kind of like that just tension that's kind of there. Like just lets you just perform. A powerful thing I like to think is like my degree was in psychology, so this I always kind of try and do take this view of things. Anxiety and excitement exhibit the same way viscerally in the body, like raised heart rate, sweaty, kind of getting shallow breathing. And it's your lens that you choose to perceive it through that can change like what it is, right? That like you can change the anxiety about going out and doing a lift into excitement. And I'm now like ready. I'm excited to go do it by changing like the, just the, the conversation and their mental outlook on it. And I remember that like when you're talking about being super zoned in, 
Like, remember we used to train at Blast? It's like, it's, like, it's do or die. You're going to war to powerlifting meet. And we would go to meets and, like, nobody would talk to our group. Yeah. <laughs> and we would be, all be miserable just in the corner, like, listening to death metal, trying to get angry. Like, for, I gotta go to war. For seven hours. For seven <laughs> hours. And it's the most exhausting thing. And every time we get done with a meet, we're like, I never want to do one of these ever again. You know? <laughs> and then, like, we got away from that culture and that, that like, niche of powerlifting, like, which was, a lot of it was around equipped lifting. We started yep. going to other meets and meeting people and just being ourselves. And then we realized there is this old, more open, like fun, kind of palsy, lousy community and palsy. If you do it, like you go to a meet and you make conversations with people, people will be your friends. You'll have a way better meet just hanging out and bullshitting Fucking and like hell. sharing zebra cakes and, you know, Pedialyze Krispies, you know, yeah, two whatever, boxes. you know, the bullshit we all bring that is bullshit to meet days, but. Essentials. More, yeah, you have a lot more fun doing that. And then if you do have a bad lift, it's not as catastrophic and, and terrifying because you haven't mentally worked yourself into this do or die headspace. You can still be focused. You can still have like a cute sense of what you need to do and achieve. But from a positive perspective, I think it makes all the difference. And that's what I think that's part of the longevity of like like the people don't burn out in the sport because they, they take that. Like Dan at the last meet, he didn't hit any PRs, but he was cracking beers and jokes. Probably having so the most fun. Yeah, the most fun of anybody in the meet. Like, I was talking to him in the back. He was like, yeah, you know, some days you got it and some days you don't. Like, yeah, that's fucking Dan. <laughs> like, uh, but I think that makes the, the huge difference. And like, are you going to be in this sport for two or three years? Or are you going to be in here for a decade or two? Yeah. So, it, it's like it's like the psychology difference between adversity and opportunity. Yeah. Having a growth mindset. Yeah, right. Glass yeah. half full. Yeah. Damn, this is the better half of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a sleeper, folks. You got to wait. <laughs> we'll get rid of all that perennial sense. Like I'll chop it up. Yeah. But I think uh, that's like two hours. So we're, we're pretty yep. good if you guys are. You guys want to shout anybody out or anything like that before we head on out? Your gyms or anything like that? Shout out to my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's probably right there. Hi, Christoph. She's not. She's at work, but oh. I'll tell her you said hey. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured she was like on the other side of the laptop. It's like, say nice things. <laughs> <laughs> she's so pretty. She's so nice. She makes me all my beef and rice. <laughs> I know right. that life. Yeah. You, you, you're wiped up. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Sheesh. You got a good woman that makes it take serious. Yeah. What about you, Pat? Uh, I, I'll shout out uh, Move Weight new equipment sponsor out of salem new hampshire all right nice. yeah looking yeah. forward to both you guys crushing it at both meets coming up and uh shane's got a little bit longer but pat you're up here in about a month man so looking forward to uh can't some, wait some heavy ass numbers and shane at least cracking the thousand kg total mark here Finally. at least, at minimum. least. Minimum. all right boys thank you i'm waving I mean, we're all waving. <laughs> <laughs>